Welcome to this podcast from Christchurch London. For more information and resources, please go to ChristchurchLondon.org. It is um, wonderful to be here this morning. Um, <clears throat> On this gorgeously sunny day, we got into the taxi. If you don't know, we have four services at Christchurch London, and the first one starts at 10 o'clock at the morning in Stockwell, which is where I've just been. And then you get into a taxi if you speak, and you get scooted across here, which always feels like a treat because I am not someone who gets a taxi around London normally. Um, but as soon as we got in, he was like, oh, we're going to have a bit of trouble today because the London Virgin Marathon. Yes. But anyway, it was all fine. So here we are. <laughs> that was a great story. <laughs> Anyway, so, <laughs> I don't know why I told that, but here we are, you're here, I'm here, we're all good. Um, well, to begin our talk this morning, I have a question for you. Have you ever longed for something? Have you ever desired something? Have you ever dreamed of something? Have you ever pictured what life could look like if this was in your life? And I know that it's a bit of a cheesy image, but if you imagine yourself looking at a frame of the future, what might you fill that frame with? And maybe it's a you've been dreaming of a holiday, you've saved up for it for years, maybe you can just picture um, what it would look like, you can feel the sand between your toes and dinners outside on those warm, balmy evenings. Maybe you've always dreamed of opening your own business, you feel so ready, you're ready for the joys as well as the success, the challenges, you are really ready to be your own boss, set culture within your own company. Maybe you have longed to be married, you dream of what your husband or wife might be look like, look like, be like, <laughs> maybe look like. Uh, you've read all the books, you feel like you're really ready. I don't know what you might be dreaming of. Maybe you've longed for reconciliation in your family. You dream of a day when you could all sit around the dinner table and have a good conversation with one another. Maybe you long for peace and stability in this world, for safety and security. Maybe you dream of a world where there are good social justice systems that protect the most vulnerable. My guess is that if we were to pass the microphone around this room, every one of us would be able to give voice to a longing, a dream. And some of those longings might be lovely thoughts that entertain our daydreams. And some of those longings could be a deep ache that mark our days. And our passage that we're going to read from the Bible in just a minute is set within the context of a longing, the deep longing of a community, a longing that had been passed down through stories told for generations and this community was the Jewish people. And their longing traced through time was for a Messiah, a king who would bring them freedom from their oppressors, healing for their broken hearts, hope and light where they had known and experienced darkness and confusion. And they lived with this ache, this waiting and Jesus was born into a time when the Roman Empire had great um, domination around the world. And they had made Jerusalem one of their headquarters. And they could at times be a very brutal and domineering <clears throat> um, empire. 
And the Jewish community had longed for their king that would come and free them from this empire. They had been promised him. They knew he was coming. They were waiting for him. Their holy scriptures spoke of one who would come and free them and save them from oppression and captivity. They spoke of him. They prayed for him. They read stories about him. They knew that one day, one day, everything would change. And one day, it did. And this one day is what we are going to read of this morning. And it's found in Luke 4, chapter verse 14 to 21. And I'll read it and it'll come up on the screen as well. Jesus returned to Galilee in the power of the Spirit. And news about him spread through the whole countryside. He was teaching in their synagogues and everyone praised him. He went to Nazareth where he had been brought up and on the Sabbath day he went into the synagogue as was his custom. He stood up to read and the scroll of the prophet Isaiah was handed to him. Unrolling it, he found the place where it is written. The spirit of the sovereign Lord is on me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind, to set the oppressed free, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Then he rolled up the scroll, gave it back to the attendant, and sat down. The eyes of everyone in the synagogue were fastened on him. And he began by saying to them, Today, this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. Can you imagine that moment? This is wild. The Jews would have gathered together every Sabbath. There needed to be 10 men present for their meeting to happen. And during their service, poetry of the Psalms would be read, covenantal terms would be read, the prophets would be read, and then there would be a sermon, a talk. And on this day, Jesus is handed the scroll during the reading of the prophets as it happened for weeks and generations. And he turns to Isaiah 61. He reads it and his talk, his sermon is today, this is fulfilled in your hearing. Like, what? Can you imagine that moment? Can you imagine being in that room, in that moment? You have heard this before. You have heard of the forefathers reading this to one another. You have been around dinner tables where your family have spoken of this moment where this Messiah would come. What on earth? People started to whisper, this is Joseph's son. Does he know what he's saying? Like, we, we know him. He just said today this is fulfilled in our hearing. What, what's he saying? What does he mean? What is he talking about? Jesus was saying words that would change history. Today in my presence, he said, all of your longings, all of the longings that you have held for peace and freedom and healing and sight, all of these promises are found in me. Even all these times gone before, they are looking at him. They're thinking, this is, this is Joseph's son. 
He's grown up here. He's worked as a craftsman laborer. He, he's telling us that he is the one. He is the end of our longing and the beginning of our dreams come true. That is exactly what Jesus was telling them. Accept that. This was not going to look like they had imagined in their dreams, their stories, their prayers. This moment turned everything on ahead. All of a sudden, the Messiah, their Savior, wasn't coming as the all-powerful conquering king. He wasn't Messiah born in a palace, raised overseeing an army. He was Jesus of Nazareth. He was one of them, born into scandal, early years spent as a refugee, fleeing Herod who had issued a mandate to track him down and kill him. He had grown up as a local lad following the family business of carpentry. His humanity was evident for all to see. And now in this moment, his divinity was being made known. His being fully God and fully human at the same time. And this is what made Jesus able to say, in my presence, all that you have longed for, dreamed of, and hoped of, is met. Your longings for freedom, for truth, for a rescuer, for one who would know you, understand your struggles and your oppression, all of that is answered in me. Jesus's presence, his very being, meets humanity's deepest longing. He is the promise of God. And his words in this chapter are not about freedom for an oppressive governing regime. They're not just about physical healing from the brutality at the hands of this re regime or restored community pride. Jesus didn't overthrow the Romans. He was crucified by them. But he did, through that very death and his resurrection, do something bigger than anyone could ever have imagined. He overcame death. He overcame oppression. He overcame captivity. He overcame, <clears throat> excuse me, a longing for healing once and for all. Everything that stinks of death and has its origins in death, injustice, oppression, slavery, violence, lies, greed, poverty, oppression, revenge, murder. He overcame the power of them all. And the amazing thing is that there are always layers of depth and healing and revelation with God. And as we can see as Jesus' life on earth unfolds, he didn't simply come to bring freedom, healing, and life to that one generation, in one faith, in one country. He came to bring freedom, healing, and life to every generation, in every nation, through the whole earth. He is not bound by history, geography, or religion. He is not and never will be defined by human expectation. His words, his sermon, his promises are about the kingdom of God, an eternal kingdom. And this that we read of this morning is the inaugural speech of that kingdom, if you like. This kingdom that brings about the deepest healing and the truest freedom. It goes on to say in the Bible that whoever the Son, Jesus, sets free, really is free. And so we are reading this part of the Bible this morning to stir our thinking, maybe for the first time or maybe for a second or however many times, to learn of and to consider this kingdom. We're in the middle of a series called Fully Alive, where we're thinking about what it means to be made in the image of God and what it means to bear, to express this image to the world around us, to live like Jesus. And our title for this morning is the kingdom. 
And we are framing this understanding of the kingdom by realizing that it is marked by presence. It is marked by presence. As Jesus said, today this is fulfilled in your hearing. It's because he was present. It's because he was there. The kingdom is marked by the presence of God and the presence of us. The presence of God, this is not a kingdom without a king. It is not a kingdom with an absent king. Jesus is the king of this kingdom, and in his inaugural speech that we have read, he states his intent. It's to preach and tell of good news to the poor. It's to heal the brokenhearted. It's to bring freedom to the captives, give sight to the blind, bring for release for those who are oppressed. This was his mandate for the kingdom, and then he lived it, and he still lives it. He is alive. The king of this kingdom is alive, which means that as we are sat here in the Mermaid Theatre in London on this Sunday morning, we too can experience the freedom and the healing and the life that he tells us he came to bring. We can know his presence in our lives. We can know his presence in our work, in our family, wherever we will find ourselves in our hearts. We can know his healing. His presence is where it begins and where it ends. It is the heart of it all. And when I asked you at the beginning about longings that you may have, I don't know what you put in that frame or what you hope that life might look like, but let's just take it a little deeper for the moment and ask ourselves the question, as we consider life, is there anywhere that we would love to know more of this presence of Jesus? More of his presence actually bringing freedom and healing release to the longings that we carry, whatever they may be for. Is there anywhere that we think, gosh, yes, I have just spoke of what I have longed and I would love to know the presence of Jesus in that area of my life. This is why he came to earth. This is why he read from that passage on that day so that the poor, those who are materially poor and those who are hungry for God could live in the healing and the freedom that this kingdom brings, which means that this kingdom healing and freedom <clears throat> is about life in all its fullness for us. It's eternal life that begins as we respond to the invitation of Jesus. He invites us to know his presence, to be part of his kingdom, to live in his kingdom. And as we do, if we accept that invitation and choose to follow him and his ways, it doesn't mean that everything is suddenly perfect. I think those of us who've known him and walked with him would certainly be able to testify and speak of that. His presence doesn't give us an immunity card from life, but it does mean that he is always with us. It does mean that what circumstances we encounter we can always, always know his presence with us. We can always know that however it might feel, he is working for our good to bring life in all its fullness into our situation. And so as we receive his presence, as we receive his presence, so we carry it. So we become more and more like our original design. It says way back in Genesis 1, Verse 27, that God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit said, let us make mankind in our image, in our likeness. And it goes on to describe after they decided to do this, they as in like 
all three of them in one, <laughs> after God had decided to do this, that he formed the body of Adam out of the dust. And after he had formed him, he held him so close that he could breathe his very own breath and his very own spirit into him. And that was the moment that humanity became alive. That was the moment when what God had formed from the dust actually carried the very breath and the very spirit of God. It was humanity created in the image of God, filled with the breath, the spirit, the presence of God, created for friendship with God and to care for and look after the world because that's what God does. That's what his intent, his original tent was. Now, we might know, you can read in Genesis if you haven't done so already, that things went skew with just after that moment. And Adam and Eve actually uh, made a bit of a... <laughs> choice that didn't go very well at all. And they had to leave this place of intimacy and friendship with God that wasn't restored until Jesus came, until Jesus came and said, I am making a way for you to return to what you were made for, to you to return to that friendship with God. And I am leaving, even though he has returned, to be in the presence of the Father, I am leaving the Holy Spirit with you so that you can still know his presence in your life. And as we invite this presence, this image of God, the breath of God, the Holy Spirit, more and more into our lives to bring us healing and freedom, we also get to know more of who he is and get to share more of his wisdom, which influences our decision-making, our finances, our families, the way that we work, the pursuit of our hopes and our dreams, we become more and more fully alive. I love this idea that the more time we spend with Jesus, the more that we know life, which means that when we're 60, 70, 80, 90, if we keep following and walking with Jesus, we will actually know more life and more freedom and more hope. It doesn't go downhill. We don't peak at 30 and then it's all downhill. We become more and more full of his presence and his joy and his hope. And so, as we talk in this series about being fully alive, about bearing the image of the one who made us, then Luke 4, what Jesus read on that pivotal day, becomes our mandate too. It can't help but become our mandate. If we are alive in the one who intended it and who spoke it, then it can't help but become our declaration for life, our manifesto for life, not because we are all trying to be the saviors and the rescuers of this world. In fact, the very opposite. But because we are ones who have received the rescue and the savior and the healing, and we get to share it. We get to learn together what it looks like to live it. We have received and we get to give. <clears throat> we get to become passionate, which is, means willing to suffer for. Whatever we are passionate about, we get to be passionate about what Jesus is passionate about, to pray for what Jesus would pray for, to care about what he cares about, <clears throat> to champion and prioritize what he champions and prioritizes. Our presence in the world, bearing the image and carrying the presence of the one who formed us is the original plan. 
God never changed his mind and put us another way in um, a letter to the church in Corinth. It's found in 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 3 in the Bible. And it says, you show that you are a letter from Christ, written not with ink, but with the spirit of the living God, not on tablets of stone, but on tablets of human hearts. And so as we consider what this means for us, what part we play in bringing and living this kingdom life, we can ask ourselves questions like, is my life good news for the poor? Is the letter that people read when I have been around them good news that speaks of freedom and healing? Is the letter of my life that is read by the places that I have been, the people that I have spoken to, the work that I have done, is the letter of my life that is being read one that speaks of this kingdom manifesto? one that speaks of who the king is, and some practical questions that just might help guide our answers could be, where do we shop? Where do we bank? Do we know what our bank invests in? Where are our clothes made? Do we know that the people who are making them have good working conditions? Who do we pray for? Who are we friends with? Who do we give and share our money, time, and resources with? Where is our generosity channeled? How do we serve those around us? Where do we bring joy, kindness, peace, patience, self-control, justice, humility in the everyday moments and also the long-term bigger picture? And if you choose to take time to reflect on these questions this week, to do an inventory of our lives, do not respond to these questions out of guilt. <laughs> I don't know if maybe anything that I've just asked might stir guilt within you. I have absolutely no authority and totally no desire to cause that to be your reaction. I am in no position to ask questions that would make any one of us in this room feel guilty by any response that we make. So if you actually find that you think that in this moment or in the week, just stop it. <laughs> Just stop it. Just say, no, I'm not going to feel guilty when I consider this question because that clouds my thinking. Responses made from guilt are not sustainable. And if we are going to be sustainable kingdom renewers, people who sustainably bring this kingdom, then we need to actually be aware that we can hear this one whose kingdom it is. So that actually maybe there'll be things that come to mind that we feel a bit stared by, a bit convicted by and think, oh, actually, I'd love to have a little check on that actually. God, I think you might be just bringing to mind ways that I could maybe live a bit differently in this area. That's one thing because that is going to lead to good and positive action. But do not let guilt be the driver. If we want to be sustainable kingdom renewers, carefully considering we are bringing the kingdom, pointing to signs of the kingdom, <clears throat> living like the king to the kingdom, then our response has to be, my goodness, I have received so much and look what I get to do. <laughs> that is the way that we live, the stance that we take. Bob Goff, who you um, may have heard of, is a lovely American author and speaker. He started lots of charities. He's read a brilliant book called Love Does. And he actually uses this lovely example of just saying that six feet around ourselves is our very own oval office. And we get to decide what happens 
happens within this place and what we carry with us wherever we go. We get to choose our responses, the actions that we will take, how we might work to influence others for good. We can think of our own Oval Office. And the amazing thing is, as we begin to live this, as we begin to consider what does it look like for me as I receive this presence of Jesus, if we have chosen to do that, what does this look like for me to share this, to bring this to my places? One of the things I love about the way God works is that the kingdom of God is actually about us being in it, which means that sometimes I might be the answers to some of your prayers, and sometimes you might be the answers to some of my prayers. We are there for one another. We are there to show who God is to one another. Our devotion and commitment to the kingdom takes what is in our hand and uses it for freedom, healing, and peace for others. It's an incredible thing that we get to be part of. Christine Kane, who some of you might have heard, she's part of Hillsong Church, and she started a charity called the A21 Campaign, which actually works with those people who have been trafficked. They work to help bring them into healing and restoration. They also work to prosecute traffickers um, and see systems of social justice set up that could hopefully change things for good in the future. And she speaks of this moment when she was rushing through the airport. Um, she was just on her way to another event, and she saw pictures of these people lining the, the airport and they were thought to have been victims of trafficking and as she stopped and she prayed for these people that she saw said God what, what can I do about this she suddenly felt like actually she could have a part to play she said her second thought was then oh God you can't be serious I'm so busy I have not got time to get involved in this but actually her response in that moment was to go on to found the A21 campaign sometimes taking time in our lives to actually have a response to actually think, what, what can I do in this situation? Probably doesn't mean that we're all going to start our own charities, but might actually mean that we make either a small difference or a big step in a different direction. And she speaks of this one day when she went into a safe house in Greece um, that they'd established. And she said she met with someone and she was just telling her the work that the A21 campaign could do for her. And this girl, she just said, just started to cry and said to her, where have you been? Why has it taken you so long? Imagine being faced with that question. And it wasn't a question of trying to have a go at Christine, but it was a genuine, I have been praying for freedom and for healing. Where have you been? And we have no idea who might be praying that at the moment. Where are the kingdom bearers? Where are those who bear the image of Jesus? Where are those who speak of freedom and healing and peace and joy and hope? And as we consider those questions, see what comes to mind. See what God might stare us towards. <clears throat> and often as we realize that we can find ourselves in some of the trickier situations in the world. I know there's some of us in this room that have been to some of the most violent places on earth, have seen the utmost poverty. And I have no idea what those situations look like. But I know when I have found myself in places of darkness, in places where it just feels like there is so much hopelessness, I have also, as I have carried the presence of Jesus, I have also met him there. Because Jesus is with the brokenhearted. 
He is with those who are longing for freedom and healing. He is there. Mother Teresa spoke when she used to um, work to look after those who were dying. She said that as she did so, she would meet Jesus in his most distressing disguises because she would look at every one of us who is made in the image of God and she would see the image of Jesus in these places. And it is as we are in these places that we become changed and that we learn from one another. We simply come as those who say, I have come to do all that I can to bring the presence of the one who I know can heal and bring hope and restore. And so as we have considered this kingdom, the presence of Jesus, what it could mean for our lives, The amazing thing and one of the things that I love about God is that he is all about family. It's never just what does this look like for my life. That is our part. That is our responsibility that we have to play. But we get to consider our own lives within the context of a bigger picture. We get to consider what this looks like for us as a church, as a collective bearing the image of God, as a gathering who will each express this image of God in our own unique ways according to how he has created and how he has made us. And it speaks a lot in the Bible about each of us being made maybe a bit like a foot. I was going to say, it was a bit of a random example, but it speaks about us being the body. And so some of us might act like the foot, some the arms, some the eyes, some the ears. Whatever part it is that play together, we speak of what the kingdom looks like. And so how have we gathered this and where did this as a church? What does this look like for us as Christchurch London to collectively bear the image of this kingdom here We have said that the mission, the vision, and the dream of this church is to do all that we can to bring social, cultural, and spiritual renewal here, wherever we find ourselves. And if you think we have just changed tack, we haven't. (laughs) This is all about the kingdom. The word renewal means an instance of resuming something after an interruption to restore a returning to the original intent. That is what renewal means. I was teaching in a primary school um, last week, and as we were walking along to a PE class, we were with six and seven-year-olds, and I was at the back with two of these little boys who I I was bringing up the rear, and one of them just starts singing some songs, And he just starts singing, oh, what's your name, old man? Tell me your name, and I will write it in my report. And I was like, oh, no, tell me your name, mister. I'll write it in my report. And I was like, oh, that's a very interesting song. I said, where did you hear that song? And he said, oh, I made it up. And I said, what made you write a song about old men? And he said, oh, well, I just thought I'd got a bit bored one day, and I wanted to just write a new song. So I thought I'd write one about old men. So I was like, why not, my friend? Why not? And I said, have you got any more songs? Have you written any more? He's like, yeah, I've got one called The Future. So I said, brilliant, would you like to sing that for us? Uh, so we were walking along to the park, it was in Peckham, and he said, um, yep, and he just starts singing at the top of his little voice, what happened in, what's going to happen in the future, what happened in the past, what's going to happen in the future, what? so then we walked to PE singing this song, I was like, brilliant, this is a great working day, but there's this sense that, <laughs> there's this sense that as we are working for the kingdom. As we are part of a family, this isn't our idea. 
Social, cultural, and spiritual renewal isn't something that we have just come up with to sound good and be a good catchphrase. This is the original intent of the kingdom. What are we looking forward? What we were made for? <laughs> we are in the middle of a story. It's simple. We're part of a family, a church across the world that is reorientating our lives to bring the renewal of the kingdom of God here on earth. <clears throat> We're still waiting for the fullness of this, and Liam spoke of this amazingly a couple of weeks ago where we can sense that this has come and yet there is still so much more to come. The Bible speaks of one day when Jesus is coming back and there will be no more pain or sickness or tears or sadness. We know where we've come from and we know where we're going. <laughs> that is the journey that we are on. We know that this is not the end, but we know that we're on our way. This is what renewal means. And this renewal is tangibly expressed when those who are poor hear the good news of the kingdom, when those who are in captivity, whether physical or spiritual, are freed, when those who are living under oppression, whatever that might mean, and darkness, no release, and when those who are brokenhearted find healing, and when together we celebrate and work for all that is good, this is the kingdom. This is social, spiritual, and cultural renewal. And when we taste that, the amazing thing is that we get to think of stories where we can begin to share. <clears throat> I mean, hey, did you hear what happened over here? Hey, did you hear about what happened over here? Hey, there was, I saw something of God's kingdom come in this moment. You'll never guess what happened. And the amazing thing about stories is that they begin to become seeds of faith and hope. When we hear one another's stories, they plant these seeds in our own hearts for what life, well, what could it look like for me? Wow, I want to taste that. I want something of that. I want to see the kingdom of God come in my life. And I, um, I had hoped, I had this lovely idea that I was going to write in like CCL. I was going to write like all the roles and the jobs that we have um, in this city. So whether it is teachers, political analysis, editors, copywriters, professors, pastors, policewomen, firefighters, uh, whatever it might be, mums, sisters, whatever kind of we bring to the world, I was going to write it in CCL. There's going to be like, this is who we are. <laughs> like, this is who we are. We are not some random entirety. We are one another. <laughs> and we are all over the city. So you can just imagine that on a slide because it didn't happen because I couldn't quite work out how to technologically do that. But you can, uh, <laughs> can just imagine that happening um, behind me. But there are so many places, as I thought of who we are as a church, I thought, my goodness, we are in so many places where we live, where we work, who we share our time with. We have incredible opportunities to bear this image of God in our city and beyond. And we could tell so many stories this morning. <clears throat> For the sake of time, I'm just going to tell two um, of what this could look like, and what this looks like when people have just taken what is in their own heart, hands and thought, I can use what I've been gifted with to see the goodness of this kingdom come. And as we just tell these sto two stories here, share more stories over lunch, begin to talk about them in Connect Group, just begin to say, oh, you'll never guess what. And it's just brilliant what can happen as we share stories with one another. The first story that I just wanted to share is our very own what were you on, Michael? Bass. 
face of Iron Bass player, Michael Pluse. I don't have photos because I could only find a photo of Michael on the internet. And then I'm also going to tell a story about Davina, but I couldn't find her photo, so I didn't think it was fair to just put Michael up. <laughs> but there we go. Uh, Michael Pluse, for those of you who don't know, is a Reader Associate Professor in Developmental Psychology and a Head of Department at Queen Mary University in London. Yes, yes, my friend. <laughs> um, and Michael has literally, it's just so simple, and this is what I love about God, he doesn't complicate it. And Michael has thought, gosh, he saw what was happening around the world. He saw that there are currently more than 1.2 million Syrian refugee people and children in countries surrounding Syria. He realized the traumatic effects that this would have brought into the lives of the children, of what they have suffered, what they have been through, and what that would lead to in terms of their mental health and the possibilities of their future. And he realized that children will respond to these situations in different ways and so therefore will have different needs according to the way that they are designed. For some of them, it will have very, very adverse effects. And for others, it will have still been a traumatic experience, but they will express resilience in different ways. And so he has got funding and a lot of funding and he is actually with other charities and NGOs in that sector. He is working to undertake a study to look into what these effects that the horrific circumstances that these children have experienced, what that will mean for their lives. And as a result of this study, the team will then identify children who are at risk of mental health disorders and in need of intervention, and they will provide appropriate tailored interventions for these children, as well as establishing protocols for the future. Isn't that amazing? <laughs> You just think, gosh, what could I do? I know I'm gifted in research, in psychology, and understanding how people work and think, let's see if I could gather others around and together we can see some of the healing of the kingdom be expressed in this way. I mentioned Davina. Davina is a friend of mine. She's a teacher. She's part of the South Service. Um, she's been a teacher for a long time, and a few years ago, she actually gave up teaching and started working for a children's charity because she wanted to be involved in the lives of children outside the classroom, and she thought, I would love to get to know children who haven't had brilliant opportunities in life, who've actually been exposed to a lot of poverty and violence that have actually probably set their lives on a di direction that isn't going to be great that isn't going to steer them into futures that would be hopeful and filled with good. And it didn't quite work out when she worked for this charity. And so in the end, she ended up going back just because of just changes that were happening in the charity. Nothing awful happened. But she ended up going back into teaching and she thought, Maybe, maybe, I, maybe I didn't dream that. <laughs> maybe the dream is over. Maybe I'm just supposed to be a teacher. And the amazing thing is that as she is now assistant head of a, a school down in South London, and because she still at the same time is thinking, what was all that about? Why did I do that? But she couldn't give up this longing. She couldn't give up this dream. She is now in her school, head of community engagement. And she is going to be starting a stay and play for local mums where they can build community with mums, get to help them share stories, um, engage in parenting classes. She's going to be starting elderly coffee mornings where they're going to be inviting the elderly who are amongst the most lonely in our communities and um, from a local care home down the road 
to monthly coffee mornings that are going to be led by the children. They're going to invite them regularly into school as VIPs to take part in assemblies and plays and presentations. And they're going to be building relationships between children and the elderly through visits and letter writing. And she's also going to be starting English classes for parents and um, for people who have arrived here from different nations who don't speak English. And there's this sense that as she held on to her longing and her dream and as she prayed and thought, God, what does this look like for me to be a teacher in South London and bring something of your kingdom? Isn't that amazing? Again, she has just got that opportunity. And I love that what, one of the things about God is he doesn't make it complicated. He doesn't just set up this a real ethereal thing that we've got to spend years and years until we're good enough to do it. He's just like, hey, gang, I've, like, I've given you my presence. And I am actually going to, it's just simple. It, you can bring my presence wherever you are with however I've gifted you and the situations and the places that I have placed you in. And as we just begin to finish this morning, <coughs> excuse me, I am, we're just going to go back to the beginning of the passage where it says that you, you might have just caught it when we read it earlier. It said right at the beginning of the passage that Jesus had just returned from the wilderness where he had been tempted by the devil, the enemy. And it says, um, this could, well, this could seem like an odd random phrase if we don't know what has gone before at the, at the earlier part of Luke chapter 4. But actually what did go before was pivotal to what would become what would be coming after. Jesus had just spent 40 days in this wilderness. This is, that is not, the, I'm sure in a minute the lovely people will put the wilderness up. But this is the wilderness that actually overlooks Jerusalem. Um, and this was where Jesus spent 40 days. And I know it might sound a little bit like a fairy tale if this is the first time that you have ever heard it. But the truth is that we are told in the Bible that there is an enemy of our souls, of our souls, who comes to steal and kill and destroy all that is good. And this is the enemy who tempted Jesus when he was in the wilderness. And he tempted Jesus with three things. He said to Jesus, if you're the son of God, tell this stone to become bread. He was basically tempting Jesus with independence. Hey, Jesus, you can provide for yourself. You don't need God. You can work it all out. You can just do it in a moment. And Jesus's response was, hey, no, that's not how I work. I actually live by every word that comes from the Father. I don't just live by physical food. I actually need the daily word of God in my life. I need to be in relationship and friendship with the Father. Jesus, the enemies tempted Jesus with who he worshipped. He said, worship me. I'll give you all authority and splendor. It's been given to me. I can give it to anyone I want. If you worship me, all of this that you see will be yours. I have all the answers. And Jesus said, no, I know who my worship belongs to. It says in the Bible, worship the Lord your God with all your heart and soul and mind. And I am not going to give that to anyone else. The enemy tempted Jesus with power. If you are the son of God, the enemy said, throw yourself down from here. Do what you want. God will save you. Don't worry. But Jesus said, no, don't test God. That's not a game that we play with God. Jesus didn't believe any lies of the enemy and overcame every one of them because he knew whose he was. He knew which kingdom he was part of and which kingdom he is king of. 
And he was not going to let that go lightly. He was going to fight for it. He was going to stay true and rooted in his friendship with the Father and in the power of the Spirit. And so as we consider making Luke 4 our mandate, our manifesto of the kingdom, let's not be surprised if we are tempted in the same ways. If we are tempted to suddenly become independent, oh, I've got this. My goodness, I am the savior of the world. I can do good. This is all about me. This is all about what I can bring. I can heal this community. I can redeem and restore this community. I made a decision to follow Jesus once, but I actually don't need him every day. I don't need to read his word. I don't need to pray with him. I don't need to ask questions about who he is. Don't be surprised if we're tempted with ask the question, who are we worshiping? Who are we giving our attention and our, our focus to? Maybe for some of us, it, we could be tempted to consider position and title and role more important than anything else, than in service and humility and friendship. But let's be like Jesus. He said, no, <laughs> I will never get consumed by that. I will remember that the best thing that I can do with my life is to worship God with all my heart, all my soul, and all my mind. Let's not get tempted by power. We can decide what this kingdom is going to look like. We can decide where the boundaries of this kingdom are, who's in and who's out. We'll decide what this is going to look like. God will take care of us, whatever we do. That's not how God works. We don't test him in that way. It's his kingdom. It's his kingdom that we're living and Andy Crouch, who's coming to speak in October, puts this beautifully um, in his book called Strong and Weak. And he speaks of the fact that as we receive the presence of God, we carry the authority of God. He says, I've, I've given you authority to bear my image in the world. You don't need to doubt that. But he goes on to say, but what unlocks that authority is the willingness to expose ourselves to meaningless meaningful loss, to become vulnerable and woundable in the world, for this too is what it means to bear the divine image. What we are missing to become like him is not ultimately more authority, we have been given that, it is more vulnerability, to continually recognize our need for Jesus to continually recognize that we will never be able to take care of this kingdom on our own, either in our own lives. We will never be a church that outgrows our need for God, that outgrows our need for the presence of the Holy Spirit in all that we do. We need him. And as we ground ourselves in this passage, as we root ourselves in his love, it talks about doing that in the Bible. As we consider the example of Jesus who stayed true to who he was, remembered whose he is, and spoke the words of God with faith, we also get to love like him. We also get to remember that we come as those who have been saved and healed and forgiven and freed. We get to bear the image of the one whose kingdom we are carrying. I wonder if the band would like to come back up. That would be wonderful. Thank you. <clears throat> uh, there's a tribe in Namibia that you may or may not have heard of, and it's the Himba tribe. And you, um, I don't know if this story is 100% accurate or if myth has sometimes somehow found itself 
interwoven in there. But the story goes that when a woman in this tribe is pregnant, then the, the women of this tribe actually take her out to the desert place and they listen for the song of this child. <laughs> and together they sing this song and they bring it back to the community. And when the baby is born, they sing this song over the baby. And it says as the child grows up, they sing this song to it. And sometimes maybe if the child loses its way, they sing the song to this child to bring it back to remember who it is and the family that it is part of. And like I say, I don't know if that is 100% true. It, it, there's flavors of it that are, but I think it provides this lovely metaphor for us that as we become part of God's kingdom, Luke 4 is our kingdom initiation song. It is our birth song. It is the song that we carry. It is the song that maybe if we lose our way sometimes and we do forget whose we are and what kingdom we're part of, there's always grace and we get to sing the song to one another and say, hey, don't forget. We sing the song and we bring one another back to remember what we were made for. And as we sing this song with our lives, we give ourselves to the renewal of all that is good and we begin to fill a frame for the future of this city, this nation, this earth with a vision of the kingdom of God where good news, freedom and healing releases life that births creativity, not dull montanity, collaboration, not competition, peace, not hate, hope, not emptiness, love, not fear, honor, not profit at any cost, systems of justice, not oppression, family, not loneliness, listening, not always presuming, protection, not violence. And as we worship together this evening, as we sing of the one whose kingdom we're part of, Maybe just take a moment to reflect on the words of Jesus, to reflect on what he has said of what we were made for. And you might want to ask yourself the question, where would I love to know more of the presence of Jesus in my life? Where would I love to know more of his healing and his freedom, recovery of sight to see the world as I would love to see it? And it could we, we might ask, oh God, I would love to see more of your kingdom where I am. What could that look like? And allow the moment to just bring time to dream with God and just see what he may bring to mind. But let us remember that we are worshiping the one whose kingdom it is. And he is always, always good. Shall we stand together and I will pray and then um, we will sing. Father, we thank you that you have invited us into a story, a kingdom that precedes us and will last for eternity. I thank you that these are not just nice ideas that we have filled the last half hour with, but they are, these are actually life-defining truths. And that as we add who we are, as we receive your presence, we can see your kingdom come here on earth. We can bear your image more fully. We can come to know life in all its fullness. And so we just ask Holy Spirit, that those of us who would love it, that you would fill us with your presence again. That if we just choose to again remember your words, your kingdom, who you are, that we would experience your love, 
that as we sing of who you are and all that you have done, you would fill our hearts with joy that strengthens us. Thank you for listening. For more information or for further podcasts and downloads, please visit ChristChurchLondon.org.